0: Good evening. Hope everyone is doing well. Tonight we're learning Maseches Psache, and We're on Kuvches um, about three-fourths of the way down, 15 lines or so from the bottom, starting with the word Prakdan. We're in the middle of the sugya of Heseba of the requirement to lean to our left when we eat certain foods. We saw already yesterday that, yes, you lean for the matzah. No, you don't lean for Maror. Two different approaches within Rav Nachman. Do we say the first two cups get heseba, and the second two don't, or vice versa? And the Gemara concludes that because he seems to have said both, or at least there are sheitas that he said both, so therefore we um, were mocked on all four cups to do his seba. So we're going to continue, as mentioned, from the word prakdon, um, and then we're going to be going tonight until the two dots on kuf tesim at bays, and then for the rest of the week, two, what day is Tuesday? So then Wednesday and Thursday and Saturday night, one blot apiece. That's what we're going to be doing. Uh, they are larger blot, which is why I forged ahead a little bit uh, in the early parts of the week to kind of catch us up so that uh, the weekend isn't going to be uh, overly stressed. So let's get started. Uh, again, continuing the sugi of Haseba, the Gemara says, prakdan lo, uh, lo shme Haseba. If a person's lying down, mamish, like flat, that's not considered to be Haseba. Haseba is when you lean to the side. It's not when you're like lying in a bed. Um, and in fact, the, ma- the meforshim, if you look at Tosvos, Rashi says, uh, Tosvos says, prakdan of lamala. It's not eating face down. That's not a normal way to eat. So the Vali was highlighted here that we're talking about when you're lying on your back, face up. So Praktan, that's not considered Haseba. Continues the Gemara. 10, 12, 13 lines from the bottom. Uh, Leaning to the right. You're not Yotze with whatever you're doing. That's not called Haseba. That's not called leaning. Leaning isn't to the right. It is to the left. And then the Gemara adds in the following uh, line. The low ode. Sakana. famous line that not only is it not considered hasseba but it's also dangerous because that maybe the food will, uh, will get to the windpipe first and you can choke. That's what we call choking in English. So here there's a fascinating machlokas between Rashi and the Rashbam. I have never, I didn't know this. I probably learned this many years ago. I don't recall it at all. Take a look at Rashi, about 20, 15 lines from the top of the page. What is that going on? When we say you can't lean to the, when we say that you have to lean to the left because we're concerned about choking, is that learned from not leaning to the right? So look at Rashi. Rashi says, a that means lying down. When you're lying down, it's dangerous. But if you look at the Rashbam, the Rashbam is seven lines or so from the bottom of the page in the middle of the Devar Hamaskel of Shema Yaktim. He writes by the period there, There are both Shema Kana Leveshet, the niftah hakova, the epiglottis will open, that's on top of the windpipe, May when he's lying back, it'll just open naturally. Then he's going to choke. So there's a machlokas. When we say, where's the sakana? Is the sakana, like Rashi says, that when you lean to your right, that you're more likely to choke, which is the predominant understanding, the way that most people have understood or no, maybe it's like, Um, Maybe it's like Rashi says that the only risk of choking is lying on your back. Yes, it's still true that leaning to your right is not considered Haseba, but there's no risk in choking. I think we all know just uh, anecdotally and experientially that eating while you're leaning a little bit to the right, most people don't choke when they eat that way. So that may be a Rai Dover for Rashi, that what Rashi says is that where is there a Sakana? That's when you're lying on your back. Nevertheless, even leaning to the right, lying flat on your back, those things are not part of the world of Haseba. A woman who was with her husband, she's eating at the table with her husband, so the halacha is, boy Rashi here, four lines from the uh, sorry, excuse me, the rashbam, four lines from the bottom of the page. Because it was uh, seemingly commonplace that there was a certain eima, a certain fear, that, uh, that a woman would have in her home. I'm Probably, I'm probably not the right word, Ama. maybe it should be uh, respect, or no, Ukfufalo, and uh, she was subservient in some way to him. But the end of the Rashbam quotes the Sheiltos, one of the Gaonim, just a couple of hundred years before Rashi, then no, wasn't about uh, dominance, and it wasn't about anything like that. It just wasn't something that women did. It wasn't considered a thing that women did. So Again, we have to get it back into the culture of the times. So we don't know exactly what things were like, is Rashi, is the Gemara stating a din out what's normal, or is it an objective din? So you have to get into the Rishonim here, But that's uh, that's what Ra- the Gemara says here, that Isha, and this is quoted in the Ramah in Shulchan Aruch, I believe that women who are considered khashuv, they need to do Haseba and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's quoted in the name of the Ra'avya in the, in the Ramah that this is Halacha that we assume that all of our uh, all of the women in our culture today are considered to be and therefore women should do Haseba wherever Haseba is appropriate what about Ben Eitzel Aviv so the Halacha is their boy haseba. of our mitzvah boy who's eating at the table he does have to do Haseba Ibaylu. The Gemara asks, "What about a Talmud Yitzel Rabo Rabbo? what would be the halacha if I'm eating at my Rebbe's house for Pesach by the seder? Um, what I do has seba. I remember we said that the first shot in the Rashbam is that a woman has emas b'alo kufalo. Wouldn't we say that a child, that a Talmud if Rabo Rabbo has an aim of his Rebbe?" That's, uh, that's already quoted in the Gemara elsewhere. So it says the Gemara Toshma. Let's see. What would be the din of a child in front of his Rebbe Toshma? Omar, Rabbi and Beymar. When we were by the house of Mar who is Mar, relative to Abai. Abai was 4th century Amor. This is a reference to Rabba, 3rd century, his Rebbe. Abai is one of his and was Rebbe. Uh, then, zaginan abirke dahadade, we leaned on each other's legs. So if there was a guy sitting next to me, I'd put my elbow on his leg, and then I would eat so that I would be leaning on something. Uh, that's what they did when they were with Raba. However, ki asinan the of Yosef, when we got to the yeshiva of Rav Yosef, omarlan lo Lo, You do not need to do heseba. Why don't you need to do heseba in the base medrash of Rav Yosef? Because mora shamayim. Because it's it's keilu. You're sitting lifnei ashlina. Now, what happened here that they went from Raba's base medrash to Rav Yosef's base medrash? Take a look at the Rashbam, two lines from the bottom. Dibur Hamashelebe Rav Yosef. The Raba Malach Rav Yosef. Raba first was Malach. He was the the, the rosh mesivta. He was the the rosh yeshiva, and then afterwards was Rav Yosef. Fine, so that's why there was a flow of events here that Abai started by Rabbah, there they did. Heseba, uh, and when when they switch to Rav Yosef, you don't need to because Rav Yosef was of the opinion that a Talmud lifnei rabo has to treat his rebbe mora rabcha Kamora shemaim the way that a person would treat a kodesh baruchu, and it's not appropriate to do heseba before a kodesh baruchu, if you kabiocho, you've been sitting at the seder table. However, we're supposed to look at that, but it, because there's mora shemaim from from your with your rebbe to a degree, therefore it should not happen. Says the Gemara. Wait a minute, that's not that doesn't sound right. Five lines from the bottom, kufches amud aleph. Says the Gemara's follows. Ah, uh, Hold on one second. It says that you do have Seba, even by your Rebbe. Kashan on Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef just said, Answers the Gemara. That Bresa that you just quoted that says, wasn't talking about a Talmud to a Rebbe in regards to Talmud Torah, but rather, This is talking about an apprentice with a carpenter. Nagre, a Nagar, in Hebrew is a, com- a carpenter, so you're teaching someone a trade. So under those circumstances, you're the Talmud, you're, you're the learner, you're the apprentice, and therefore, um, that is where we would say that you need to, but Rav Yosef Shita maintains its integrity, and according to Rav Yosef, you are not obligated to, and therefore you should not. Three lines from the bottom, what about a shamish? What would we say about a servant? Is a servant obligated in Haseba, yes or no? says the Gemara, Tashma, Dama Rav Yashub and Levi. Hashamish That's the end of the brisa. It says that if a was ate a of matzah, he has to do so while he's leaning. What's the diuk of the gemara? Two lines from the bottom, mesav in. If he's if he's leaning, then yes, that's when he's yotze. Of course. But lo, mesevlo. But if he's not leaning when he eats the matzah, he won't be yotze the mitzvah of matzah. Shmami no by heseba. Shmami no. Therefore, we see that when it comes to a shamish, that he does require heseba. Last line. V'ama Rabbi and Levi. Noshim chayavos ba'arba'ah kosos halalu. Women are obligated in the four cups of wine. And turning to the top of kufches is a critical line. Shaaf hain hayu be'oso hanais that women. Um, where uh, they partook in this particular mitzvah, take a look at Rashi, top Rashi. It is in the Zuchus of Nashim Tidkanios that we were taken out of Mitzrayim Bechlau. So, certainly, therefore, it's not just that it's uh, and that it's uh, it's uh, it's time bound, and we should have assumed for a hundred reasons that women are exempt. It's not true because needed their screws also, or there was something back that they did well, they didn't do the, the angle. So what does it say in Rashi? It yeah. said the Gomara says, Vikhein gaben Mikra, Rashi says it's Vahing gaben mikra megilla namir mean and hahid mushim day de esther nigalu, the ging gabe nirchana kabasachashabis, then yeah. three different places. Nashim scales because of them. So the diuk to make from Rashi is that without them, we would have been in big trouble. That's what it seems. That's what it seems. So that's why the Gemara says that women are obligated in the four cups of wine because uh, they were an integral part of Mitzrayim. that they need to be diluted properly. Strange language. It's not actually a sheer, but Rashi and the Rashbam, the Rishonim here, highlight that the wine that they had was very, very, very strong. And they would dilute it with uh, a couple of parts, three parts of water to one part of wine. So that's how they would normally make it. shasan chai, what if you drank it without diluting it? You drank it, quote unquote, raw. Chai doesn't, It we use the word chai to mean raw. It just means here that it's undiluted. So the halacha is yatze yeah. that you were yotzeh. Sheson bivasachas, what if you chugged all four cups at the same time? So then, yatsa yotze, you're you yotzeh. Were separate brachas at one time or dissolve. One, one cup after the other, one cup after the other. We'll see. We're going to get back to this in a second. The Gemara is going to analyze this. neveso. What if you gave, you know, you you siphoned off some from your cup and gave to other people? Would that count? So the halacha is yatsa. All of these are comments of Shmuel. And now the Gemara is going to analyze these. Come When we say that if a person drinks wine and it's undiluted, that they're Yotze. Oh my Rava, Yiday yayin Yeah, you were Yotze drinking wine. You were Yotze Kiddush, but Yiday Cherus Lo Yotza. But you did not. You were not Yotze Chirus. What's Cherus? What does that mean? You're not Yotze Cherus. Cherus is that is it a separate mitzvah? So take a look at, at Rashi here. Immediately to our left, Ibrahim Aschil. Cherus Lo Yotza. Klomar, Ein Zom Mitzvah Shlema. Wow, what a crazy idea. Unbelievable. This is not a mitzvah shlema. You're yotze the mitzvah, but you didn't do it in the right way because you didn't have the mindset of chirus. Because you didn't drink it the way that Chazal set it up for you. That's our obligation. And give us a construct. Our job is to follow it. So Rashi highlights that this you did the mitzvah, but it wasn't a mitzvah shlema. Uh, five, six lines down, Shesan b'vasachas. you drank everything at once. Here too, Ravam are Yedei yayin yotza. yeah, you were yodse kiddish, but yede lo yatza, but you do not get the mitzvah of fulfilling the, the rabbinic custom of drinking four cups of wine. the banabulieso yatza. We said that if you give wine and you siphon off to some of your children. You know, when you pour a little bit of wine into those cups, that the spray cups where it puts into like eight different cups, you know? Mm-hmm. Good. So your yose if you share your wine with everyone, that's true. But That's only true if you drink rov Kos. In other words, we have a din that when it comes to the Arba kosos, that one needs to drink rov Kos. Very good. Asks the Gemara one-third of the way down on Kuf Ches. Amit Bey says the Gemara's follows, is Kosos Halalu, Kide Revis, a different language. We said before that it has to be Kos Yafet. Now we're using a different language of Kide Revis. Are those the same thing? Let's finish the b'risa. Is this a b'risa? No. Sorry. This is a Tosefta. The Tosefta says that Dalit Kosos Chai de Echad mazug, whether or not it's raw, it's undiluted, or if it's diluted, mazug means diluted, Yashan, even if the wine is brand new or if it's aged wine it Tam, Tam, also has to taste like wine and it has to look like wine. So we're going to analyze all of this Katani Mihas. This phrase katani Mihas always means that, we're about to hit, give the punchline of our question. Katani mihas. However, in fact, it says in the Brisa mihas means however. Katani in the Brisa kde reviis. Vatamrskosiyafe yushmo said kosiyafe. And uh, this says kde reviis. That sounds like different things. And if you look in the Rashbam, about twenty lines from the bottom, most of the uh, three fourths, four fifths of the way down, and uh, on the page, it says diberamassel katani mihas kde reviis lekol echad veechad vatamrskim digas kosiyafe lekol echad veechad. The salkadaitach. What might I have thought? Says the Rashbam. The shnei sheurimhei. It seems like they're not the same thing. So back in the Gemara, what should we do? Shmuel, you said, And here it seems to say that you need revise Are those the same thing? Amrei, they would answer. Shmuel would answer. You're right. Yeah, they are the same thing. We need to make sure that there's a revise in every cup and everyone should drink a sufficient amount. What about the last part of that Tosefta that we just saw? Uh, where it said, <laughs> Rabbi Yehuda, Omar, Tzaraq, Shehebo, Tam, Umara, What is he talking about? My time, under Rabbi Yehuda. Why does he say that it has to have the ta'am, the flavor of, and umare, the appearance of wine? <laughs> uh, what? Ki is Adam. Does it correct? Yeah, Ki is Adam. Ya'in Ki is Adam. That it should have a redness to it. That's some of the Mephorshim point out. I don't, I don't drink red wine, but some Mephorshim say you should splash a little. Red into the white wine, if what you can drink is red, is only white wine, so that it, it fulfills a key. It's a key of this class. Kentron grape, Kentron red grapes, have total restriction. So, but I can have a little splash, that's fine. So, it's best if you're going to drink white wine because it's your preference, fine, but you should have a little bit of red in it. There are some, unfortunately, some post right write that way. There's also other sheets in the post would say that that's only true. If red wine is actually better, but if your white wine is more chasuv, it's more expensive, it's older, whatever the parameters are. If by you it's more chasuv, then you don't have to make it white. You don't have to make it red. Ask your local Orthodox rabbi. Four lines from the bottom, kub chesamid Let's continue. Tanu rabbonon. Hakol chayavin ba'arba halalu. Everyone is obligated in these four cups of wine, and then the Gemara goes into specify. The b'risa writes, echad anashim ve'echad men and women, ve'echad tinokos, even little children, they're obligated as well. Well, what does that mean? Why would children be alligated? Amar of Yehuda, still part of the bride, Why are you giving wine to a little kid? What good is that going to do? That doesn't teach them anything. There's nothing educational about giving a little child wine, but rather, what should you do? His question was rhetorical. Of course, you should not give them wine. What should you do? Last line, (laughs) You pass out uh, (laughs) You give them dried uh, grains, which was a snack back in the day. Granola bars uh, would be our equivalent of today. (laughs) No, it's just, uh, obviously it wasn't Hametz. Yeah, yeah, for sure not. That's what Rashi says. They're old and they're, I guess they were baked as is or something like that. But it's certainly, there was no chimut, obviously. And, why do you give them out on our Pesach? So that they don't go to sleep. And they in the last questions, and that will lead them to a better understanding. We know, of course, the famous theme of the Haggadah. Okay. So all of this is to bring the to engage the children. So so that's why the Gemara says we we give them things that are out of the ordinary. We do a lot of weird things at the seder that we wouldn't otherwise normally do, just in order to engage the children. Second line. Same exact thing. <coughs> Excuse me. Same exact thing that he would hand out these dried grains and he'd hand, hand out a gozem to children so that they'd stay awake, so they wouldn't sleep, and that they'd ask questions. Tanya as well. They would, they would let the kids eat matzah, but they wouldn't let them stuff themselves to the point that they'd get so full, and the portion point out, and therefore so tired, that we didn't want them to fall asleep. So they would take away the, the matzahs after they'd eaten a Bishvil Tinokos, so they wouldn't fall asleep. Another b'raiser, Tanya, the b'raiser writes, in his whole life, He never said it's time to leave the base Medrash with only two exceptions. Number one, those were the only two days when they didn't have yeshiva. Those were the only two days of vacation a year and they were all rooted in halacha. We didn't want the kids to fall asleep, so we made sure that we would go home and engage the kids and give them the kleos and it goes in, as we saw from Rabbi Akiva a few lines ago. We can't take a nap before Later? No, it's a, I think this is more for the chinuch component. It's technically mutter to take a nap on Arab Pesach, but I think here we're talking about even possibly even later in the day. But we don't want them to fall asleep uh, when they were eating. The Ere of Yom Akipuram and on Arab Yom Kippur to feed their children. Um, of course, we know that uh, if you eat on the ninth day in preparation, for we know that according to the according to the uh, Monea Mitzvos, there's a Mitzvah del raisa. We've seen this already somewhere in Chas, I believe, a couple of times. <laughs> Some Mitzvos are uh, are harder to fulfill than others, but if the Torah wants us to eat on Yom Kippur, we're going to eat on Yom Kippur. That's when the Dunkin' Donuts lines are just unmanageable at that point. So, so that's a mitzvah, a mitzvah do raisa, machlokes if the same mitzvah applies to men and women, the Chorah does, because it's iskash, it's compared to the to the iser of eating on Yom Kippur. By that way, men and women are obligated as well. So therefore, it's probably the case, according to many posts, that women are mechuyavos, mechuyavos to eat on Erev, Erev Yom HaKippurim as well. Nevertheless, these were the only two days that Rabbi Akiva would let out of yeshiva. Tanu Rabbanon, where we have to learn about a very important mitzvah de Raisa. The Chorah, this mitzvah de still applies today. It's counted... In the yeah. Moni HaMitzvos, it's quoted in the Sefer Achinuch, and I believe in the Rambam as well. In his Sefer HaMitzvos, says the Gemara as follows Adam A person is obligated to make happy those who live in his house, his sons, and those, not sons literally, but children uh, overarchingly, all of the people who live in his house. Uh, because of the Pasik Vesamach Vesamach, what do we do in order? To make people happy, what does this question mean? Take a look at Tosvos, just to our left. We would have eaten the Korban Shlomim. The korban ola that would have been given on whatever that can't be eaten, but a korban shalman is part, part goes to Hashem, part goes to us. That would have been the b'chagecha, to eat from the basar of a korban for sure. But today, in the absence of basar, because we don't have a basin mikdash, so then what do we do? We drink wine, Rabbi Huda Omer, Anashim Beru'ilahem, Vinashim Rabbi Huda was more. It really depends on what you like. Some people like wine; some people don't like wine. It depends on who you are. So men should get what they should get, and women should get what they should get. <laughs> Nothing changed, <laughs> right? Even by Rabbi Huda, when he's saying we have to be subjective, still the men should be drinking the wine, right? The <inaudible> What should women get? We should buy. We should buy women clothes. big <inaudible> in bavel. Dafka women would wear colorful clothing when it came to the holidays. Eretz Yisrael, the big day pishtan meguhatsin. And in Eretz Yisrael, they would wear flax clothing that was meguhatzin, that were ironed, that were pressed. And they looked very, very nice. Um, so that was just, a, it just depends. But that's a lechora din that it's an obligation for men to drink wine. You'll see in many homes where uh, people will have, make sure to have a bottle of wine at every meal, and people will try to drink a revius of wine at every meal. shame, this exact mitzvah, mitzvah samachta bechagacha. And women should, uh, this seems like an obligation on a, uh, on the balabites. And the husband should, uh, should enable, should uh, send his wife shopping to go buy clothes, whatever it is, however it works out, so that we can be mekayim, the Dindo right? So the mitzvah in the Torah. And it seems from Tosos, the way that Tosos was talking in Debra that it applies even today. And the Sefer Achinuch writes that explicitly that yes, it's true we'd prefer to have a Shlamin, but it doesn't mean that the Dindoriza doesn't apply today. Not dissimilar to Matzah. We don't have the Matzah, Korban Pasach, and Mar. We don't have that. Pasach Matzah, Mar. We don't have. But still the Mitzvah separately, even to Bizman Azeh, we still have the Mitzvah, the Raisa Bachilas Matzah. So here too, we don't have the Shlamin, but Aphel Pikim, we still have a Mitzvah to on, be misameach uh, on the Chai. Halfway down, Kuf Madal. When the base is around, it's only meat. a very explicit statement from another Bryce that wine makes people happy. And speaking of wine, we're going to talk about um, a gemara. We're going to skip all the math. If you have the art scroll, you'll see as we get closer to the next page that there's a huge. Big fat math equation. Uh, we're not going to go through all of the details, but suffice it to say that it is a sophisticated approach to determine exactly what a riviz is. And you could therefore understand why there remains a big machlokah between Rav Chaim and the Chazanish. Uh, the Chazanish was of the opinion that it was above five ounces to have a riviz, which is a very significant thing when you're drinking four cups of wine, especially if there's a high alcohol content. Uh, was more makel, uh, and he felt that it was less it was 3.3 ounces which is uh, the prevalent prevailing custom um, and a, a lot of that is rooted in this Gemara that we're about to learn so it says the Gemara as follows two-thirds of the way down maybe a little bit more this will be the last uh, set of sugas we'll learn for tonight de there was the there was a measuring tool that was used to measure uh, the fat from, uh, from from fish the he havas look at the mikdash. It was the same size as a, a lug, as a measuring cup of a lug and the mikdash. and and that's what they would use to get a rivi in regards to pesach, in regards to the dalad kosos. there was actually another thing, kadmaisa. There was a very old measuring tool called the uh, called the t'maniyasa, and it was in the city of Tveria. So havas yisera alda riva, and it was larger the tmanyasa was larger than the kasta than the first one we learned about by a by a revis so meaning if you filled up the tmanyasa and you how does it work and you poured it out so then what was left over was a revis in the tmanyasa and the larger one it was uh, what was left over the difference between the initial kli and the second kli was that when you poured out the contents of the initial kli into the second kli the remnants in the initial kli was the revis, and that's how they would measure uh, very sophisticated. Now you go to the store, you buy a measuring cup, and we know exactly to the milliliter. We know exactly. Okay, they didn't have those uh, those types of uh, of tools. So uh, that's how they figured it out. Six seven lines from the bottom of Khizda. The way that they would measure a revias was based on a cubical area, not perfectly cubed. Um, I think the art scroll called it a cuboid, which isn't perfectly cubical. It's not X cubed. It was uh, it was two dimensions were the same, but the third wasn't. And here's how the, the three dimensions played out. Six lines from the bottom. When we speak about a reviz in halachic terms, al, It's two finger breadths by on the x-axis, two finger breadths on the y-axis. So that's right to left, front and back. And then the depth of it was al, the uh, it's with a depth of etzpa aim the vachitzi uh etzba It's that third dimension is two finger widths plus a half of a finger plus two uh, two-tenths of a finger, the uh, one-fifth of a finger. It ends up being two 2.7. So here's how the math works: it is uh, a cubic area of two by two, by 2.7, which with, with, with each unit being a finger breadth. That's how the Gemara uh, paints this picture. And then the Gemara says a line which is very hard, which it says, kidetanya, like we have in a brysa. Now, the Gemara is not gonna circle back and say a perfect comparison from this brysa, because this brysa is not talking about wine. What the brysa is talking about, and what I believe is the reason why the Gemara is making this comparison, is to show you that we measure the liquids in halacha by the cube volume. We don't just measure based on kibetza, we we measure based on cubic volume. So we said that when it comes to the ravis, it's two expos by two expos by 2.7 expos. Good, 3.3, 5.6, whatever the postgame end up concluding. Look at the article, a crazy math equation, fine. What about a mikvah? How do we get to 40 some? So there, says the Gemara Tanya. the Pasuk writes that one should wash in water all of their body. davar This is, of course, a drasha, which indicates the din of chatzitzah. Very important halacha as it relates to going to the mikvah, especially for women. A chatzitzah is considered when it's rubo, u'makbid. When it covers most of your body and you wish it was not there, let's say a person fell into a vat of paint and it's covering 51% of their body and they couldn't remove it. So that's laikuva Mide'o raisa. If a woman goes to the mikvah as a nida, or after her nida state, she goes to the mikvah in the, uh, after Sheba she's still a nida. Mide'o reise, If she's 51% covered in paint, That's not, That's not. that doesn't work. Mide'o Either one of those, either rubo, the eno, let's say it's 51%, but she doesn't care. Or it's mute, um, it's less than 51%. It's to her toenails. But makbid. I, I want my toenails painted. I want my, my nails painted. So I've spoken to Rabbi Robinson about this before. Sometimes uh, a woman will, uh, will be at the mikvah saying, I have nail polish on, and I just spent $50 on a no-chip manicure. What should I do? So that's already a shyl on the post game because technically speaking it shouldn't be a problem. It's mute. It's Ano makbet. It's miut and makbet. It's only a din on And can we be mekel when there's a Hefzid. So this is where the him come up. Anyways, this is one of the roots. I mean, we've seen this elsewhere in Shas, as you can see in the Mafreshim here. This Bryce is probably quoted all over Shas. Uh, yeah, it's quoted in five places here. It's in Erevin Daf Dalit and in Yud Dalid as You can see in the Marimakolos on the side. This is a well-known Gemara. One should be uh, careful when they go into a mikvah in regards to a big shilas. If a woman has a cast and she has to go to a whole, a whole host of shilas. What about uh, dentures? What about braces? I, everything. What if you've got to floss? You have food in your teeth? Shilas, uh, endless shilas. Fine. The drasha continues. Bamaim beme What type of water does one have to be in? They have to be in mikvah water. They have to be in appropriate water that's collected. All the mikvahs that we have are built in a very sophisticated way. Es kol What does that part mean? Mayim shekol gufo It has to be an amount of water that can cover one's entire body. And for the average person, how much water is that? Now, remember that I, I shared earlier that the way we measure a ravis is in cubical measures. We're going to do the same thing here with mikveh water. How do we determine the amount of water that's appropriate for a mikveh in cubical measures? Ama al ama, shalosh amo. Its length times width times height is volume. This is going to be three cubic amos, is going to be the appropriate measure to fit the whole body of a person. A person could dunk in that water and be covered by that water. That's an assumption of a minimum amount of water. Our mikvos are bigger than this, but we assume that that's for it. So that's the Gemara's comparison. Again, it's not a direct comparison in that. We know that the ravis over there, it's, it's not about a ravis. It's about measuring thing in cubical measures. So that's what we did by ravis, Kidatanya, just like we saw when it comes to measuring May mikvah. Good. Last small sigya for the night, and this will take us to the two dots in the middle of the page, and we'll stop here. It says the Gemara Amar Amarli Amar li ravin Barchinana shulchan shall mikdash shal prakim hava. The shulchan and the base of mikdash must've been shal prakim. It was actually made in in pieces. You know like the types of tables that we have, you can r- remove a leaf. So these tables, you could dismantle them. How would we know that this is true? Because says the Gemara, if you would have said, Haduke that they were so tightly put together that you couldn't take them apart. Am- "Amasa, Amasa, Well, the table was bigger than an amma. So how could you put it in the mikvah that's only one by one by three, that minimal shear? How do you even fit that thing in there when it becomes tamay or when it initially was was to be made? So says the Gemara, that's not a good question. My kushya, what kind of question is that? Dilma, be yam, sha'asa shlomo. Maybe it was in a body of water that shlomo put together. We learned about this in Mesech HaShavas, havamat bilay. Maybe that's where it was tavel, the Tani Ditani because rebchia taught us, yam, sha'asa shlomo, machzik meya mikvah mikvatara. You could fit 150 mikvahs in there. Huge. It was, just, it was just massive. It was a massive body of water. So therefore, yeah, we, we don't, we can't necessarily infer from here that the Shulchan Shel mikdash was made of prakim. Maybe it was haduke Mahadik. We, do, we don't know. But there's no raya that it was actually made piecemeal, that it was dismantleable. That's not a word, but uh, you get the point. We, we don't know because it's possible that it was put in the mikveh there. So we're going to stop here. Mir uh Tomorrow night is Wednesday. We're going to learn Kufiyud. Um, Thursday is only one blot kufyud Aleph and skip Friday, and Kufiud Bays will be Moze Shabbos. Uh, no share in person on Shabbos, only Motzei Shabbos, 840, and only on Zoom. Wishing you all a beautiful night. Cool.